0: Trust that you had the opportunity this week to read 1 Kings chapter 2, and in this chapter we find that early on Solomon encountered adversaries to his kingdom. Some were the very same adversaries that David had encountered during his lifetime. This morning we want to see that the opponents to David and Solomon's kingships were brought to nothing. They failed, and they failed miserably in their revolt. This morning, we consider their downfall. And the fact that they failed because God was establishing the kingship of Solomon. God had established Solomon as king despite all of the opponents to Solomon's kingship. The key verse is found in First Kings chapter 2, verse 15, where we have Adonijah's words to Bathsheba, and Adonijah said in 1 Kings 2.15, You know that the kingdom was mine, that all Israel fully expected me to reign. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. It would be easy to read the events that take place in this section of scripture as Simply Solomon's ruthless kingship, one who comes to power and quickly eliminates his enemies. However, I I think that would be the wrong take on this particular passage. It's extremely important to keep in mind that those who were in opposition to David and Solomon's kingship were not just in opposition to David and Solomon, but ultimately were in opposition to God himself. They made themselves the enemies of God. Solomon is being used of God to bring about the fulfillment of what has been a delayed judgment in the lives of those that are going to be destroyed. I'm going to build upon that theme next week as well as we look at this wonderful passage in 1 Kings chapter 3 that talks about the wisdom of Solomon. And compare it to what is said earlier in this chapter that David talks about Solomon being a wise king and knowing what to do. But this morning, the focus is that God establishes Solomon's kingdom, and there is a downfall of his opponents. God establishes Solomon's kingdom, and there is a downfall of his opponents. And so we're using as an outline this morning the the downfalls of the various characters that are found in 1 Kings chapter 2. First, we look at the downfall of Adonijah. Adonijah had been one of Solomon's adversaries, and at one point, it appeared that Adonijah's scheming to become king had actually paid off. If you'll remember in 1 Kings chapter 1, Adonai had tried to make himself king as David's physical strength was waning. 1 Kings chapter 1 verse, seven, verse 5 states, Now Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. That attempt failed, however, and uh, he pled for Solomon to spare his life. 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 51. Then it was told Solomon, behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, "Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with a sword." So Solomon promises to spare Adonijah's life as long as Adonijah did not make any more attempts to undermine Solomon. That comes in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 52. And Agenia's life is spared, then he's allowed to return home. Now in our passage in 1 Kings chapter 2, and I'm picking up at verse 13, Ageniah comes to Bathsheba requesting that the Shumanite girl that had cared for David would be given to Ajaniah in marriage. Verses 1 Kings 2:13 and following. Then Ajani, the son of Haggath, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Do you come peacefully? He said, Peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. She said, Speak. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel fully expected me to reign. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brothers, for it was his from the Lord. And now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, Speak. And he said, Please ask King Solomon. He will not refuse you to give me Abishag, the Shumanite, as my wife. When Adonai came to Bathsheba, he said some significant things which reveal a bit about Adonai's mindset. The first thing I'd point out to you is found in verse 15 where it says, He said, You know, that the kingdom was mine. You know that the kingdom was mine. For a brief moment, Ajaniah was king. At least in his own mind he was. Ajaniah is lamenting his present situation. He's coming to Bathsheba and saying, you realize at one point this was my kingdom. This was my kingdom. And the emphasis being it no longer is. And we find out that indeed Adonai was very, very close to being king. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 15, it said, you know the kingdom is mine. And uh, we read in 1 Kings 1.11 that Nathan said to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, have you not heard that Adonai the son of Haggith has become king and David our Lord does not know it? So for an afternoon, as it were, uh, he had exalted himself, he had promoted himself and declared himself to be king, but that was very quickly, quickly uh, squelched and squashed. We find out that many were anticipating that Ageniah would be king, and they put their lot in with him. for it tells us in verse 15, "You know the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel fully expected me to reign, all Israel." fully expected me to reign. They were anticipating that I'd be the next king. It's an exaggeration to say that all Israel uh, came to that conclusion, but certainly a large portion did, and he had some notable people on his side, namely Joab, who was the commander of the army, and Abiathar, who was the the high priest. Both of them followed Adjaniah and helped him. Nevertheless, things did not turn out as planned, for we find in verse 15, it reads, however, the kingdom has turned about and become my brothers. So while I had it in my grasp, it was suddenly taken away and it was given to Solomon. What I want to emphasize this morning is the reason for the turnabout. Why was it that He had the commander on his side. He had the high priest on his side. He had the people on his side. Why wasn't he able to establish himself as king? Well, notice what verse 15 says. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brothers, and here's the reason, for it was his from the Lord. That's why it failed. Because God's purpose was that Solomon would be king, and God's
1: purpose was not going to be overthrown. That's a a very
0: important element in understanding all the events of this particular passage. That is that it's God's purpose that Solomon established as king, and God's purpose is not going to be overthrown. It is God who ultimately establishes the kingdom which is central to the passage. And it's also important to understand that Adreniah was aware that God had chosen Solomon to be king. That was no secret. and We saw that a week ago where um, Nathan comes and and acknowledges the fact that, that Solomon is to be the next king. Therefore, to oppose Solomon's kingship, was, in actuality, in opposition to God himself. It wasn't just Solomon that Adjaniah is scheming against, plotting against, and seeking to overthrow. It's God that he is scheming against, plotting against, and seeking to overthrow. So Adjaniah's request to have the Shumanite girl as his wife was not an innocent request at all. Starting at verse 16. Now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, speak. And he said, please ask King Solomon. He will not refuse you. to Give me Abishag, the Shumnite, as my wife. Bathsheba said, very well. I will speak for you to the king. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Ajaniah. The king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And The king said to her, make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. She said, let Abishag the Shumanite be given to Ajaniah, your brother, as his wife. Now we need to understand that having the Shumanite girl as his wife or she had been given to David, would have given Ajaniah another claim for the throne. It would have been another reason why Ajaniah should be king over Israel. If you look at verse 22, we have Solomon's answer. King Solomon answered his mother, and why do you ask Abishag the the Shumanite for Ajaniah? Why would you do that? And then he goes on to say, Ask for him the kingdom also. Now he gives three reasons for his concern. First, for he is my older brother. He's my older brother. Normally in Israel, the kingship authority would pass according to lineage, according to age. And so Ajaniah had a claim to the throne because he was older in Solomon and thus next in line in the minds of the people. Secondly, and on his side are Abiathar the priest and Joab the son of Zariah. So he has the two most important and influential people in Israel on his side. Both of those individuals had backed Ajaniah's rebellion. He's got the army on his side and he's got the high priest on his side. Now you put those two forces together in Israel and you've got all the power. You've got the priest, You've got the uh, army. And now he's going to ask for this Shumanite woman to be his wife. So 1 Kings 23. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do this to me and more also if this word does not cost Ajaniah's his life. So Ajaniah had gone back on what he said that uh, he would behave himself and would not make any aspirations towards the throne. And David recognizes this as a breaking of that promise. But the words of Solomon are significant in verse 24. Now therefore the Lord lives who has established me and placed me on the throne of David my father. Here's the issue. God has placed me on the throne. God has given me that privilege, that duty, and that responsibility. And who has made me house, he has promised. Ajaniah shall be put to death today. Solomon sees the action of Ajaniah is not just against himself, but against God. God had established the kingship. And so, once again, to fight against Solomon is to fight against God. And as a result, it's going to cost him his life. Next is the account of the downfall of Abiathar the priest. Abiathar deserved to die because of his role in Ajaniah's rebellion, verse 26. And to Abiathar the priest the king said go to Anathoth to your estate for you deserve death. Uh, That treasonous act was worthy of death. However Solomon is going to spare his life because of Abiathar's service to both the Lord and to David. Verse 26. And Abiathar the priest the king said go to Anathoth to your estate for you deserve death. But I will not at this time put you to death because you carried the ark of the Lord before David my father and because you shared in all my father's affliction. So he's going to cut him a break as it were because of his service to God and because of his service to David. However, Abiathar's abandonment from his priesthood is also serving the will of God. Again, we are to see God's activity. We're to see God's justice in what is taking place in this passage, verse 27. So Solomon expelled Abiathar from being priest to the Lord. and Now this important statement, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Going all the way back to 1 Samuel, in Eli's disobedience in Uh, rearing his children and disciplining his children the way that they should God said that they would be removed from being the high priest and so here it is God's word being fulfilled as Abiathar is taken away from the priesthood and, and banished. Once again we see God's purpose being achieved in this act. Next is the account of Joab's downfall. Joab had also aided Adonai in his rebellion, verse 28. When the news came to Joab, for Joab had supported Ajaniah, although he had not supported Absalom. So when Absalom rebelled, <coughs> Joab stayed true to David, but when Adonai rebels, he takes Ajaniah's side. So Joab can see the handwriting on the wall, as it were, and realizes with Ajaniah killed, with Abiathar out of power and authority, he realizes he's next. So Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. So he literally throws himself onto the mercy of God. He goes to the sanctuary area, goes to the uh, altar and there are horns on each one of the four corners. He grabs two of those and his essence is pleading for God's mercy to spare his life. But well, what we need to see is that it is more than just Joab's rebellion against Solomon and his siding with Ajaniah that's in view.
1: There is more taking place here. That would have been enough for a legitimate
0: death penalty for Joab, but there is much more in view. Notice verse 31. The king replied to him Do as he said, strike him down and bury him, and thus take away from me and my father's house here the guilt for the blood that Joab shed without cause. The blood that uh, he shed without cause is given to us in verse 5. David's words to Solomon just prior to David's death. Moreover, also, know that Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me how he dealt with the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed, avenging in time of peace for blood, that had been shed in war. When we were in those sections, I had pointed out the fact that
1: Joab had no cause to bring about the deaths
0: of those two individuals, and David had done nothing about it. Uh, David, uh, well, at one point, does remove Joab as commander, but replaces Amasa in his place, and Joab just goes out and kills Amasa and gets him out of the scene and becomes commander of the army again, and David does nothing about it. I will address that next week and the words that uh, he gives to Solomon. But this morning, I want you to see that it's more than just his rebellion that's in view. It's also the innocent death of these two individuals. God's justice
1: is involved once again in this instance. And Joab is not concerned with the glory of God.
0: Joab is not concerned about serving God, pleasing God, glorifying God, worshiping God, praising God. He is just seeking to use God, as it were, as his shield and as his defender, but not to do
1: the will of God. For we find in verse 30, so Beniah came to the
0: tent of the Lord, that is the tabernacle, and said to him, that's Joab, the king commands come out. So he is to... Come out of side of the
1: tabernacle, with the intent that, of course, he's going to be killed. End of verse thirty. Then Benaiah brought the king word again, saying,
0: Thus saith Joab, and thus he answered me. The king replied to him, Do as he said, strike him down and bury him, thus take him away. And from my father's house, the guilt of the blood that Joab shed without cause. Joab had refused to come out. He said, I'm not going to come out. I'm going to to hold on to these
1: horns. And if you're going to kill me, you're going to have to kill me here, is his position. So we now, have Joab, we now have
0: Solomon's response. 1 Kings 2.32 The Lord will bring back his bloody deeds on his own head because without the knowledge of my father David he attacked and killed with a sword two men more righteous and better than himself. Abner the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel and Amasa the son of Jethro, commander of the army of Judah. So shall their blood come back on the head of Joab and on the head of his descendants forever. But for David and for his descendants and for his house and for his throne there shall be peace from the Lord forevermore. Then Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and struck him down and put him to death. That is, he entered the tabernacle and killed Joab. Joab's life is more important to him than the sacredness of the tabernacle. He thought That he was going to be spared because he was going to hold on to those those horns and he would just refuse to come out and he didn't think that they would enter the sanctuary of of uh, the Lord and drag him out and kill him outside uh, and then and kill him. But the reality is, they did. And Solomon said, "We will be innocent of this before God. We will be innocent of this." God is not going to hold us in violation of the sanctuary or of wrongdoing because Joab is guilty of the murders of these two individuals. Once again, it's about God's justice that is coming to pass. Now, we have the account of Shimei's downfall. Remember that Shimei had opposed and even cursed David. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, And there is also with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite from Behurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I went to Manaheim. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with a sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, you will know what you ought to do to him, and you shall bring his gray head down with a blood to shoal. Again, I'm going to deal with the promise next week. I'm going to deal with, you know, all that is said here next week. It's important, but what I want to point out to you is that Solomon places restrictions upon Shimei. Verse 36 and 37. Then the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there. And do not go out from there to any place whatever. For on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain you shall die. Your blood shall be on your own head. All right, He's saying, you're going to be responsible. If you break this promise, know that it's going to result in your death and the blood's going to be on your own head. Shimmai agrees to accept the restrictions, verse 38. Shimmai said to the king, what you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. Namely, I'll never leave Jerusalem. I'll stay uh, under house arrest, as it were, and all will be fine. However, <clears throat> over time, Shimei. Breaks his house arrest. Verse 39 and 40. But it happened at the end of three years that two of Shimei's servants ran away to Akish, son of Meaka, king of Gath. And it was told, Shimei, behold, your servants are in Gath. Shimei arose and saddled a donkey and went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his servants. Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. So now we have the cause of Shimei's downfall. Solomon confronts Shemmai and holds him accountable to the Lord. Verse 41. When Solomon was told that Shemai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and returned, the king sent and summoned Shemai and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying, Know for a certain that on the day that you go out and go to any place, whatever you, you shall die? And you said, what you say is good, I will obey.
1: Verse 43. Why then have you not kept your oath to the Lord?
0: Here again is beyond Solomon, beyond Solomon's kingship, it's going back to this relationship of Shimei to the Lord, which, by the way, is reflective of Shimei cursing David when David is fleeing from Absalom. When Shimei curses David, he in fact is cursing the Lord for the Lord had established David as king. He is from the tribe of Benjamin. He is a descendant of Saul, and he thinks Saul's family should have the kingship. So he had opposed God back then, but he's given a buy on that one. And Solomon says, all right, you can just stay under house arrest. I'll spare your life. But you got to swear that you're never going to leave Jerusalem. And if you do, you're going to die. And of course he does. And Solomon confronts him and says, why then have you not kept your oath to the Lord? Then, mention is made of Shimei's rebellion, verse 44, the king also said to Shimei, you know in your own heart all the harm you did to David my father. Once again, Solomon references God's justice in the death of Shimei, verse 44. The king also said to Shimei, you know in your own heart all the harm that you did to David my father, so the Lord will bring back your harm on your own head. This is God's doing. This is God's justice. This is God's payback, if you were. And Solomon gives glory to God for the establishment of the throne, verse 45. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Verse 46, Then the king commanded Beniah the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. So the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. I mentioned last week that there are four mentions of the fact that Solomon's kingdom is established. The emphasis is that it's established by God. And as such, cannot, will not, was not overthrown. But Solomon is going to reign, and he's going to reign without opposition. Well, that's the story in a nutshell. What conclusions can we draw from this? Well, first, a person may appear to be getting away with grave injustices for an extended period of time. You have heard the adage, I am sure, getting away with murder.
1: Well, here are individuals that appeared to be getting away with murder.
0: Most notably Joab, who had been responsible for the deaths of two commanders that were a result of his
1: own self-seeking promotion. And Nothing happened. And years went by. And it seemed
0: as though there would be no justice. It seemed as though
1: there would be no consequence. It seemed as though he had gotten away with it. However, their sins come back to haunt them in this
0: passage. The wrongdoings these individuals come back
1: upon their own heads. We need to keep in mind that when it appears that
0: people are getting away with grave injustices, that there will be a day of reckoning.
1: Sometimes in this life, sometimes in the life to come, but there will be a day of reckoning for those who are not under the blood of Christ. Secondly, when a person is in opposition to those whom God has ordained, they are, in fact, in opposition to God himself. It is easy to lose sight of the nature of rebellion.
0: The nature of rebellion. It happens all over the place, in the Old Testament, New Testament, and today. Korah, most notably, rebelled against Moses. And I hope you you know that story, and if not, I don't have time to go into this morning, but it was to his downfall. And when Korah rebelled against Moses, there was a failure to recognize that Korah was actually rebelling against God, for it was Moses It was God who had placed Moses in authority over Israel. We need to realize that there is this invisible hand of God's providence and his will. And to go against what God has revealed to be his truth isn't just to go against earthly powers. It's to go against the God who established those powers. To rebel is to rebel ultimately against God, of which this passage makes it abundantly clear. It wasn't just about Ajaniah and Solomon. It wasn't just about Joab and Solomon. It wasn't just about Abiathar and Solomon. It was about Ajaniah and God.
1: It was about Joab and God. And it was about Abiathar and God. The second or
0: third truth is that one cannot fight against God and win. One cannot fight against God and win.
1: God's kingdom will stand despite the many who oppose it. No matter how great the character's that
0: seek to rebel against God. No matter how large the army, no matter how influential the people, no matter what position they hold, they are not going to be able to prevail against the sovereign God. We sang this morning of a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing.
1: Though this world with devils filled Cannot overthrow the kingdom of God. Ajaniah had the people on his side.
0: Ajaniah had the commander of the army on his side. Ajaniah had the high priest on his
1: side. And for a moment, he had the kingdom itself. And that didn't make it secure. It fell. And it fell in an afternoon. It fell without any shedding of blood.
0: It fell, and it fell. Why? Ajaniah knew why. Because the kingdom had been given to his brother by God.
1: By God. We can have confidence this morning in a sovereign God. Even when justice
0: is delayed, even when evil seems to be advancing, even when things seem to be beyond the scope and the pale of one's control, a sovereign God acts at a time when it is unexpected and yet
1: achieves his purpose and his will. We can have confidence in our God. Let us pray. Almighty God, I pray that you would help us to
0: see your greatness, your goodness, your justice, your holiness. And Lord, the way that you act and move, even
1: in ways that without faith would be imperceivable, that
0: we could look at life, we could look at this passage and, and take you out of the mix and see things quite differently. Ascribe different motives, different powers, schemings. Life looks really different when you're taken out of the picture. But Lord, give us the faith, give us the wisdom, give us the spiritual insight. Open our eyes, to your sovereignty your direction, your control. And may we see how your hand is at work in the events and circumstances of life. And may we be quick to give you the honor and glory and praise. And Lord, may we be circumspect about living our own lives and realizing, Lord, that it is ultimately you that hold us accountable beyond what people do. Ultimately, it is you. And so Lord, keep us mindful
1: of who you are. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.